Has there been a camp or a conference that has made a real difference in your life? Oh man, for sure. Yeah. When I was in college, I was part of Campus Crusade for Christ and they would always do what they called Christmas conference over Christmas break. And man, I went to the one in Denver a couple of times, but one in particular, I mean, it, my whole world was different at, at the end of that week, like the Bible teaching, the vision of God and his big story. It, uh, it totally changed my life. All right. Let's uh, talk a little bit more camps and conferences. Hey, welcome back to the Preaching Through Podcast. This is the conversation that takes place when we come together to talk about what it is to preach Jesus in 21st century America. It seems like every year that passes, uh, it's like seven years of culture that pass and everything changes dramatically. So what does that mean for us as we bring the word to our local congregations week in and week out? Of course, God's word doesn't change. But how we communicate that word in the culture in which we live in does change. In one of our Preaching Lab videos, like we're, the goal isn't to be relevant. But do we want to be irrelevant? <laughs> Absolutely not. Sure. And so the Preaching Through podcast is uh, one of the ways that we just ask the question, hey, is how we're presenting this relevant to the, the current day and age that we live? Um, my name is Dave Shrine. This is my co-host, Luke Simmons. And, hey, uh, hey. Hey, hey. And uh, today we're going to be talking about camps and conferences, preaching through camps and conferences. Now, the first season of Preaching Through Podcast was really a, a big overhead of just preparing different large-scale, maybe situations that you would find yourself in normally and kind of an overview picture, right? Yeah, real nuts and bolts. Nuts right? and like bolts, yeah. Every preacher at some point is going to be preaching through the Old Testament or right. preaching through the Gospels or preaching through pain, yeah. some of the things we've talked about. But uh, yeah, this season we're talking about some like kind of nooks and crannies of preaching. Yeah, a lot more nuanced and situations that maybe you don't find yourself in regularly but when you do find yourself in those situations, you want to steward the opportunity well. You want to show up big, and you want to show up appropriately, whatever the case might be. And so that's what we're talking about today. Uh, some future episodes that we're going to talk about is just preaching through praise, criticism, and silence, just how to handle that, how to handle it graciously, and how to handle it when there's nothing to react to and respond to. Uh, we're going to talk about preaching through series after Easter. But to get started on this one, the last episode was preaching through weddings and memorials or one of our previous episodes, you said that preaching camps and conferences, it's kind of similar to that in a way. Yeah. Well, at least for me on a wedding, I mean, when I do weddings, I'm not writing a brand new sermon for each wedding I do. It's like, I've got a few in the can and I'm going to pick from those. Um, in particular, probably at most camps, conferences, retreats, especially if you're being invited somewhere else, or really even to some degree, if you're, if it's something you're putting on, a lot of times the folks that do it will say, Hey, well, you know, teach on whatever you want to do, or they might give you a theme, but that's, I feel like in a lot of these, you're really going, okay, I've got three or four, you know, series in the can, uh, probably something I preached on a Sunday. Um, but I, I just have these and, and over time this becomes, you know, even a little bit of the menu you could offer people to go, well, I could do this or I could do this or I could do this. Uh, but most of the time I don't really want to have to write three, four, five new sermons for a weekend on top of everything else that I have. So that's how I think about it that way. It's very interesting to hear it that way because when I was a student, you think that all of these messages are catered specifically to you. And one of the reasons you think that is because they're highly relevant to what it is I was going through as a junior higher or as a high schooler. But looking back now, I can say, no, those messages were so impactful because they were most likely built over a series of 
camps or over a series of conferences or over a series of youth group gatherings. And all of a sudden they become incredibly relevant and just dialed in like mm-hmm. almost like a, a comedy special. <laughs> it's funny. That's what I was just thinking is like, I'm so jealous of comedians who get to build five minutes of material at a time and just do it over and over and over and over until they perfected it. I mean, you can listen to certain comics. Like one of my favorites right now is Nate Bargatze. I was a little bit of an early adopter of Nate Bargatze. Well done. And you can hear his jokes. And I mean, it's just like different recordings. It is word for word, the exact same. It's the same cadence, the same tone, the same pause, everything. Like, man, I'd love to do that. Well, your only real shot to do that is camps and conferences. I mean, you can just, I I call them sugar sticks. You know, you know, the messages that just taste good every time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, ideally, if, if you get a chance to do a few of these, you know, once a year or a couple times a year, every few years, you know, you have those sugar sticks and you, it's a chance really to incorporate. These are my best illustrations. These are my best stories. Uh, these are the things that I just know, uh, connect with people. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about how to tweak it. Right. I don't, you know, I, I don't think if I was doing a, a marriage retreat, it would sound the exact same as if I was doing a seventh grade youth right. camp. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. For the sake of my children, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, so we can talk about how to customize that, but, but yeah, that is one of the real blessings of this. I mean, man, as, pre- as preachers, we feel that pressure of every week's a new Ted talk. And, uh, that's a lot. Hopefully as a result of this episode, you'll be able to put together some sugar sticks <laughs> and have a few go-tos uh, that you can really use not only to make it easier on you as you prepare, but really serve the people that you're going to be speaking to and giving them the best of what you have to offer. So let's get into it, talking about camps and conferences. Your first 200 sermons are going to be terrible. This is something the late Tim Keller once said, meaning that no matter how hard you study, how many hours you put in, or how much you work on your preaching, there's this glass ceiling that can only be broken with more reps. So getting reps becomes your main way of growing as a preacher. But what happens when you surpass 200 sermons? What are you supposed to work on? Where should you try and grow? Or what muscles are you gonna need to build to have a faithful and fruitful preaching ministry over the long haul? Well, the Preaching Lab is a curriculum developed by our co-host, Luke Simmons, that fills this gap and takes preachers beyond what they've learned in seminary or Bible college. This live experience provides preachers with meaningful feedback insight and instruction so that they can improve their preaching for a faithful and fruitful preaching ministry. During this 12-week preaching cohort, preachers learn of minor adjustments to their sermon habits that have a major impact on the preaching moment. Tweaks that nobody in your congregation has the ability or the confidence to give you. It's a deep inspection of your routines, habits, study, and preaching all so that you can become a better steward of the gift God has given you every single week. An audience. This is your opportunity to return the favor back to your congregation and preach a sermon that is faithful and fruitful. Visit faithfulandfruitful.com slash lab to learn more about the Preaching Lab live cohort as well as the Preaching Lab on-demand video curriculum. Now back to the podcast. There are a lot of different camps and conferences in terms of age ranges, in terms of you know, stages of life, there's marriage conferences, there's men's camps, there's youth camps, which is what I'm most familiar with, right? Mm -hmm, Like that's where I spent a lot of my time. And, um, I thought the best place to start would be to let you share a little bit about the things that you've done. So as we navigate 
we know kind of the basis of, well, this is where he's done these things at. This is what his experience is. Yeah. And just take that into consideration. Yeah. I've done a number of one-off messages at a retreat or something like that, especially marriage related. I, I haven't preached a whole marriage uh, you know, weekend or something like that, but I've done a talk. And in that sort of a case, I might dust off a message I've given about marriage or, or maybe if it's just one message, you know, write an original thing. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of, you know, I've done youth camps, I've done a number of men's weekends, that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, a few of my favorites are, I love Luke 15 and the story of the man with the two sons. And it's such a powerful story. Most people know it as the story of the prodigal son, but it's interesting that it begins saying a man had two sons. Mm -hmm. And so uh, typically I can get at least three messages out of that where I'll do a message about the younger son and a message about, and, and that one's nice because you get to tell the whole story. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets oriented with it. Uh, the other thing, you know, and then you can talk about the older, the older brother, the older son. And then you can talk about the extravagant love of the father in the picture, which is the picture of God. So I really like that. Um, that's a, that's a cool way to do it. Um, another series that I have liked as a sermon series and as a camp thing is uh, the four G's. These come from Tim Chester. God is great. God is good. God is glorious. God is gracious. And the cool part is you can change up all the, you know, you can go a different order. Um, but man, there's just something about looking at who God is. I think it was Tozer says, you know, what pops in your mind when you think about God's the most important thing about you. And so that's a, that's a compelling talk. One of my favorites is, is the story of Joseph and, uh, that's Genesis 38 to 50. And that's been a really um, just good story. I mean, it's so dramatic and there's so much interesting stuff and so many ways to point to Jesus. One of the things, though, that, that I've seen be really effective, we have one of the pastors at our church here that, um, man, he's just an incredible camp speaker. And one of the things he does so masterfully, and I think this works really well, especially like for junior high camp, um, but I think, it, I think it's actually an all-ages thing, is he'll pick, kind of like I did with the prodigal son story, he'll do a story for the whole weekend. And just focus on different people in the story, different parts of the story, right? So he might do uh, the story about the woman who interrupts Jesus while he's on his way to, you know, raise this girl. And, and so he'll, one message will be, a, you know, overviewing the story and talking about the girl. And then another message will be about, you know, the woman who interrupted Jesus. And then another message will be about Jesus. Another message will be about Jesus' friends who were in a hurry and another, you know, and and it really, it's very helpful um, because rather than introducing lots of new things, it's more like you're holding up this gem and right. twisting it and turning it and seeing all these different angles. And um, I think that's actually a really effective way to do a weekend like that is, um, you know, and especially with kids, they, they walk away, you know, junior hires, they walk away and they go like, I understand that story. I've looked at it from a bunch of angles. And um, I just know the times when my kids have gone to a camp where it's like that versus the times when it's not um, their ability to tell me what it was about is like astronomically higher, yeah. you know? So I think that's a cool approach. So, but there's a lot of different ways to do it. It's almost like a Quentin Tarantino type of approach. Oh yeah. Just sure. like the same story from multiple angles. And yeah, what, what the benefit you get there is I heard the same story five times. Yeah. I heard the same story, you know, three times and I can tell you what that was about. That's really, really cool. Um, so I've broken down this conversation into four categories. There is preparing, what you're going to be saying. There is the delivery, and that takes place over the course of the whole you know, experience, whether it be a mm -hmm. weekend or what have you. Yeah. There is the connecting point going beyond the platform and beyond the talk. 
And then there is the evaluating, and that may be in the moment, and it might be after the moment. Yeah. So I thought that was going to be great. a good framework to go through. So let's start with preparing. This is in the, basically from the moment you get the request, or maybe even before that, maybe you're kind of thinking about this as you're doing your ordinary ministry. Hey, I really like this. I'm going to keep this in my archive. Um, I'm going to keep this in my list of illustrations all the way to prep to get there. So just talk me through what type of preparation goes into this. Yeah. So you're going to want to ask a lot of questions to the organizers, you know, who is this for? How many people? What, what's the dynamic of the room? What, what role do the messages play? Like, and sometimes in a thing really like the message is actually just to set up the small group time. Other times it's like really content heavy. I want to know that I'm going to approach that probably differently. So just a lot of those sorts of questions, how many of these, what's the schedule? Uh, how many of these are going to be after lunch? <laughs> because you want to really understand the flow of the, of the experience. Part of what you're thinking about in a, in a camp is it's a bit like, you know, it's some sermon series are a bit like this, but it's really almost like one really long sermon just broken up. And just like a normal sermon doesn't have the same feel throughout the whole thing. It has a a way that it feels at the beginning and it has a crescendo and it has a conclude like a lot of times uh, a weekend will feel like that too. So getting you the lay of the land on that uh, is pretty important. There, there's some times where you look at the schedule and you go, okay, you know what, this is going to be one. I'm going to aim at 15 minutes on this one. Okay. Here's one where by this point in the weekend, they will have been, you know, been really dialed in and I think I can get away with going a little longer. So uh, really trying to get a lay of the land there. And then especially if you're, you know, if you're reaching back in the archives of here's stuff I've done before, figuring out how to customize that, how to adapt it really is going to depend a lot on the, the audience that you have. You've got the ability to look back in that catalog. This is a great opportunity to do what? Like to grab some illustrations that you really love. This is, do you, do you, um, how much do you want to have prepared, you know, by the time you get there, do you want to have the whole thing or do you want to interact with the people a little bit before you get there? Does it depend? Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't really want to be on the weekend trying to prep the next message. Yeah. Um, I don't mind being there and tweaking something. And I definitely don't mind it if it seems like the Lord by the spirit is, you know, calling an audible. I'm like, yeah, okay, great. We'll audible, but I don't want to plan for that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'll typically, um, I'll try to go with my notes printed. You know, I preach from printed pages. I think we'll have an episode about how we do sermon Old. notes. Yeah. I'm just um, kidding. <laughs> you know, um, but that's generally what I'll do. So I'll try to have those printed off before I go. Um, but but this, I mean, I, like we have a guy, I, I mentioned earlier, Seth, and um, man, as great as he is as a preacher, one of his real flaws is he doesn't keep notes. So even if he takes some notes up, he doesn't have a way to archive them. And I'm like, dude, you're going to regret that because you're going to have some time in a few years where you're like, man, I, I want to go preach that thing again. And you're going to have to try to remember it. Now he's smart enough. He might be able to do it, <laughs> but I'm not. So, you know, that, that's where I like, I love being able to pull up my notes and I have them color coded pretty simply, but especially illustrations. I do all, all my illustrations are written out in blue. And so that, that's the spot that I'm probably most likely to tweak depending on who I'm talking to and, and the audience. And so being able to pull that up, look at it pretty quickly, go, okay, that will work. This one I might need to tweak. Uh, you know what? That reference is kind of old. Um, that won't connect with them. And uh, being able to go through that um, and prepare it in, in that process. And then um, 
Yeah, that's how I do it. If you reach out to us, info at faithfulandfruitful.com, we'll actually get you a, a copy of um, your sermon architecture tool, which shows a little bit about how you organize your yeah. sermons. And so that might be something that you would lean on, um, not just for individual messages, but maybe even that architecture over the course of multiple messages in that type of a scenario. And then in a future episode, we're going to be going into the material that we cover in the preaching lab, where you go through your notes and you diagram you know, what makes sense for you. And it's not a prescriptive, this is how you should do it. It's more of a descriptive and just hey, instead of just watching some people preach on YouTube and figure out how they do their notes, here's one way you could do it. So reach yeah. out to us and we'll get you uh, more information. So let's go into the delivery. You've got your preparation. You've got your notes printed out, Grandpa. We've <laughs> got uh, a framework of who's going to be there. We've got the framework of wh what is the context. Now we're going to get to the actual delivery. What does that look like? Not just over the course of the weekend and the functionally, but like how does that delivery evolve over time? And what do you want to do in the first one versus the last one? Maybe how would you cater yeah. your delivery? Well, a bit like the introduction to a sermon, right? If, if a camp or weekend is like one big long sermon, well, the beginning of your sermon, you're trying to grab people's attention and make them feel like they trust you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times that's where I would try to introduce my family. If there's a way to show a picture of my family, introduce them. Um, you know, it might be, in a first message, if it fits, like there might be an opportunity in it to share my own testimony or to share something a little more personal about how the Lord's working in my life. I mean, I'm assuming here, this is, this is not, I mean, it's, it's a totally different thing. If it's like, here's this weekend with my home church and mm -hmm. you know, that's totally different. But if it's like, these are kind of new people to me, well, I need to introduce myself. Um, I'd probably on the front end, you know, want to have something funny uh, not necessarily like at the beginning of the message, but at some point in the message, it'd be great to have something funny so that if something else funny happens or if, if another funny moment comes along, it's not like, whoa, where did that come from? Um, it's definitely not stand up hour, you know, but th that's what I'd want to do on the front end. And then, yeah, like I said, I mean, depending on the schedule and the flow, um, you know, I, I think generally on most weekends, there's a night that, you know, <laughs> I guess they used to call it cry night or, you know, it's the big response night or, you it's know, it's the no makeup night. Okay. And you know, people, you know, you can be manipulative about that and, and you don't want to do that at the same time. You know what, ha the, the reason those nights are effective is because by that point, people are 24 to 36 hours into less distraction, more focused time, some reflection on who God is, some conversations about what really matters. I mean, their hearts are prepared right. for you to let it rip. And that's a great time to let it rip, you know? And so that's a great gospel presentation. That's a, you know, and hopefully we're preaching the gospel throughout. Um, but I think those sorts of moments uh, are really key. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's an opportunity to uh, share your story, to let uh, people know who you are. Um, but ultimately it's not about you. It's about Christ and to, to make a big deal, make much of him through it. So I like the idea you hinted on this in the preparation but I do like the idea that you can really pick up right where you left off. From a week-to-week -week sermon series, you could be missing 30% of the people who call your church home yeah. between each week. Yep. And so they might hear five messages of a nine-message series, whereas here it's a captive audience, not just for that message, but for all of those messages. In terms of delivery, does that make any type of 
you know, play into consideration, just thinking about, I can pick up right here and go right back into it. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, a lot of times week to week, I'm doing some sort of little review in each sermon. Yeah. Um, might not need to do that on a, on a weekend because it's like, well, yeah, we just heard that story earlier. Um, another thing is, you know, usually I'm really trying hard in an introduction to really, I'm assuming people are not interested. My job is to grab them and say, you got to listen to this. I still want to do a little bit of that because I just think any time people are more likely to stay engaged if they think this matters. So I always want to help people see it matters, but maybe you don't have to do quite as much of that on message three, four, you know, mm-hmm. in a, in a thing. So yeah, I think those, I, that's a, that's a great thought is to go, this really does build on itself. It develops some momentum. You can even carry through it. Some illustrations, some word pictures, some ideas that can, keep showing up, keep coming back. Hey, remember Tozer said, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. So that's why, man, it's so fun because it's like, people are like primed to have a great experience with God. As you're stepping up to preach, you're, you're following something and you most likely don't know exactly what you're going to be following. Do you have any instances in the past where, well, I was not prepared to follow that. And you kind of have to make shift or adjustment and any insight on what you've learned on how to start that delivery. I don't have a really specific story, Dave, but I, but I think the main idea is you are there as the camp speaker to serve. You're not there to get through your material. Mm-hmm. You're not there so that everyone can go, wow, you're awesome. Like you're there to serve the people. And so if something happens and it's like, you know, there's some kid and he passes out because he was out in the sun all day and he's too hot. Like you don't just keep plowing through your sermon, you know, like you gotta, <laughs> lo- you gotta think about the people yeah. who are there. And I mean, that, that's an interesting, that's one of the interesting things at a youth camp mm-hmm. is a lot of times they'll go, Hey, let's see how many marshmallows we can stuff in our mouth. And uh, by the way, now let's focus on God. And you're like, uh, okay. Like, you know, but trying to figure out how to roll with that and say, this isn't about me. I'm trying to serve these people. That, that's one of my favorite questions when it comes to sermon evaluation. That's, you know, we have a sermon mm-hmm. evaluation form we give away as part of our preaching pack. And one of the questions in there is, did it, did it feel like the preacher cared about the audience or did it just seem like he cared about getting through his material? Yeah. And I think that's true on a Sunday morning at your home church. That's also true at a camp. So you've got the preparation, you've got the delivery, and now you have the connecting. And we're not talking necessarily about connecting from the platform with the people. I think you just naturally look for signals that you're connecting. I'm talking more specifically about connecting in the moments between when you're speaking. Talk to me about, you know, your take on that. Yeah, well all every everyone listening here knows the experience of of our personal pastoral ministry setting up our preaching. Mm-hmm. People being more open, people being more curious, people being ready to listen, and uh, and it works the other way as well. Sometimes your preaching sets up your pastoral personal ministry, and I just would encourage anyone listening if you get a chance to to do this, don't just disappear. Right? It's not like don't hang out in your cabin the whole time and then show up and give your message and then leave. You know, figure out how to have a meal or two with people sitting there. Talk. I mean, they don't expect it which is why it actually makes an even bigger difference. Now, you don't have to run yourself ragged, right? It is something to preach four or five times in a weekend. You got to take care of yourself. If your family's there, you might be trying to spend some time with your family. But at the same time, you're not like you're a junior high mentor who are just signing up to be exhausted the whole weekend. But, man, if you can connect with those 
kids or you can connect with somebody and have a meaningful conversation. Here's the thing. It's not a gig. And it can feel like that mm-hmm. because you're the hired hand and they are paying you to do it, hopefully. It's just a good chance to go, let me remember why I got into ministry. I mean, you said something really interesting to me, Dave, of like there was a time in your ministry where like as a, as a worship leader, you'd go, man, I'll pay. I'll pay to, if you'll let me. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And, um, man, everyone listening, we've had that experience. Yeah. And it's like tap into that again and connect with people and do ministry because you love doing ministry, not because it's a gig. I think a great responsibility and a great burden that we have as leaders in the contexts where we at, where we are at is to just know what type of influence we have. At a camp or a conference, that influence is immediately amplified or magnified by whatever degree because there's this truth of like the 50-mile expert, right? Mm-hmm. People wouldn't necessarily line up in your church to hear you talk about this. Maybe they would, but they're lining up and they're, they're paying $300, $400 to go to this experience. And the second that you come in there, you are the expert for whatever it is you're going to be preaching on. It's just the nature of being a guest speaker. And so that credibility of being the hired hand, being the person there immediately elevates the amount of influence that you have. And I can tell you the names of the people, not just in my, in, 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 um, uh, the church, but any special experience that I had, I can mm-hmm. tell you the names of those people. And I remember what it was like to be there. Yeah. And so they're, it's not about you in that moment, but there you'd be a fool to ignore the fact that you have a heavy amount of influence in that moment. And what you do, like Dane Cook, he's got this comedy bit where he's like, I, you know, you see this kid sitting on a bench and you want to leave a legacy. You go up and smash his ice cream in his face <laughs> and say, you remember me forever. <laughs> it's like, you could be remembered forever, yeah. hopefully f- not for that, but like that's an opportunity to leave a legacy and really sure. have a strong impact on someone's life. Yeah. And I also really love to try to encourage leaders, right? It, any kind of thing like that. Yeah. There's small group leaders, there's worship leaders yeah. and uh, man, they're, they're slugging it out and they're doing the hard work in ministry. You go speak at a camp and I mean, they're, if they can have one really good conversation during the weekend, like if it felt like a win and if you can just say, Hey man, like keep going, it's worth it, you know, and pray for people. It's a, it makes a difference. Like it's easy to underestimate the power of yeah. just simple conversations, simple touch, simple interest. It makes a big difference. I grew up incredibly insecure. Uh, today, I really feel like God has worked on me in so many ways. I'm still really insecure about things as it relates to high school and junior high. And there's reasons for that, but I'm grateful for the growth. Hearing you say that immediately made me think all those camps that I did worship music at, I wanted so desperately for the men, the pastors to encourage me, affirm me. Mm -hmm. And like, I, for whatever, whether the reasons were good or bad, I was a young man, 22, 23, just looking for affirmation. And it never came. Mm. Like it just never, it just never came. And I wanted for that so badly. And so I like hearing you say that because as a 23 year old kid, yeah, Oh my gosh, that would have just meant the world to me to have just heard like, Hey, you guys are doing a great job. You know, keep, keep at it yeah. until you guys have practiced, man. What's that song? Tell me that's, that's, yeah. that's a really cool song you picked. Like, yeah. Where, who's that by, you know, yeah. just that interaction would have meant the world to me. So that that's interesting to hear you say it. So connecting 
And then finally, evaluating. And there's two types of evaluating, really, that we're doing here, or we should be. There is evaluating in the moment or between moments. And then there's evaluating for the long haul and like, okay, what worked? What didn't work? What might I want to do in the future? Uh, how do you handle that evaluation uh, in your experiences? Yeah, well, a lot of times I will try to prepare whoever invited me. Like, hey, I'm going to be asking you for feedback along the way, mm -hmm. you know, because I really want to serve this group. I want to serve your ministry. I want to serve, you know, so um, preparing them that you're going to do that because with that, I don't know if you call it 50 mile expert, is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, I've yeah. never heard that, but that's like totally true. Right? Yeah. Like there's all these times where you say something you've said it a hundred times and then someone else comes in and they say the exact same thing. And people are like, wow, I've never heard that. And you're yeah. like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> you know, your kids do that all the time. Yeah. You know, so they sometimes, even the people organizing might invite and be like, Oh, you know, I, I can't, I, I, they want to, they want to host you. They want to be hospitable. They don't want to give you. And I, and I, so just will say like, Hey, I really want to serve your folks. So I'm going to ask you for feedback and then I'll do that, especially after the first couple messages. And really if it's a multi-day thing to be able to ask on the second day where by this point they've heard, they've not just heard a message, but they've heard people processing it. Mm -hmm. Conversations have happened. They've started debriefing with small group leaders and going, Hey, this is really landing or this isn't making much sense or whatever. That's a great time to say, Hey, what, um, yeah, what would help me really dial this in? What would help me connect it with these folks? Is there anything that's missing? Is there anything that, um, has come up that sh has surfaced that, Hey, this would be a good thing to address real quick on that. I'll say for the longest time, arrogance and just pride was something that I battled in my teen years and into my thirties. And you know, it's still something that I have to be aware of, but I feel like, I feel like I've had really good men around me to humble me in good ways. And one of the mechanisms, I, it was really hard for me to take criticism, really, really difficult for me to take criticism. Yeah, and that, it's interesting. The insecurity is the opposite. It's the flip side of the, of the pride coin, right? Right. Right. Like those two things go together. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you cover your insecurity by seeming arrogant. Right. I found one of the best ways to prepare myself. I knew that I needed to get feedback and I knew that I needed to get critique. If I wanted to be not just not, not, not even a, a servant. If I just wanted to get better at my craft, like practically speaking, I knew that I needed some sort of a feedback channel. And I found the best way to disarm myself and prepare myself for critique and feedback was to actually ask for it. Yeah, sure. By asking for it, it was preparing my heart and it was also opening up a channel of communication with whoever it is I was looking for critique on, giving them permission so that they knew like, you don't have to tiptoe around this. He's expecting it. I have an, I have a green light. And so uh, uh, just a kind hearted person is going to take that invitation and they're going to be diligent with it. Whereas if I was completely shut off, it was always harder for me to take because number one, they didn't feel the freedom. And so it was always kind of beat around the bush in this awkward feeling. But then at the same time, it was almost as if mentally I wasn't prepared for it. So I think yeah. soliciting that communication well, and soliciting is valuable. In a specific way. Yeah. Like I have a question that I think is a better question than most of us might be inclined to ask. Sometimes we ask for feedback, but we don't actually want it. Want it, yeah. Right. And so you could be vague and go, Hey, uh, so how's this going? You know? Yeah. Or you could say, what are one or two things that, what are one or two suggestions you have right. for me as I keep speaking this weekend? Mm -hmm. That's a really different, now they might still go, you know what? Uh, man, I don't, I can't think of anything. Like, 
just keep going, you know, like, but you're, you're more likely to, for them to say, you know what, it's all really good. Um, you know, but actually here's this one thing. And then to follow up and say, oh man, that's really, really helpful. Uh, what else? Mm-hmm. Not anything else. Cause anything else they'll say, oh no. Well, what else? Well, actually, you know, and mm-hmm. so it really is like, and again, you can't do this if you're insecure, if you can't handle the feedback, mm-hmm. but being even more specific in the way you've, solicit it will actually get you better feedback and it'll make you better and it'll make you better at serving the people and it'll make it more likely that they'll invite you back right Right. in a way that's the ultimate that's the ultimate (laughs) signal feedback yeah did they invite you back did they recommend you to someone else yeah that's your short-term evaluation and then you've got your long-term evaluation and just preparing for future opportunities how should we handle that future evaluation cataloging our things just making mental notes what are some things that have worked for you yeah i think to process like how did this feel in the room how did it go um you know you might go into it and say man this this really worked when i communicated it to all these men and then when i took it to a high school camp you know i really i need to adjust this or this didn't land quite like mm-hmm. i thought um and so being able to you know make a record of that somehow um and uh yeah so i mean i, I just think all the time we're going to grow through evaluation through assessment through feedback um, yes, you get better through reps, but you get exponentially better through evaluated reps. And so keeping track of that really does make a difference. One of the things that we talked about uh, in between recording was the, I brought it up, Richard Pryor. Uh-huh. He would, he was famous for going to this comedy club and trying out new material and people would line up. They'd be like, oh man, he's Richard Pryor. We're yeah. going to get to hear it. And he would just bomb. <laughs> and he would take all this material that he had just been thinking about and he would just try it out and make note of what worked, what didn't work. And he would try different nuances and he'd try different cadence. And eventually he would take all these different appearances, take the best of it. And then that's what he would do his special with. Mm -hmm. I look at these camps as an opportunity to do something similar to just say, Hey, here, here's the material that I shared. What man, what really like landed What's really funny, and it landed when I preached it to my church, but it didn't really land at this camp. Why didn't it land? And to really hone your material and look at ways to not just make it more effective in the future for camps, but whenever you use that illustration or whenever you use that particular story or anecdote or whatever the case might be. I just, I like that as a concept. Yeah, I I like the concept of um, being willing to try things. I like the concept of evaluating. Mm -hmm. I don't love the concept of practicing on people. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like I'd much rather, like what I'd rather do is if I'm going to preach at a junior high camp and I'm thinking about this, I'd rather get a couple junior hires at my church together mm-hmm. and say, Hey, I'm going to go do this thing. Can I tell you a little bit of what I'm going to say? How would you help me think this through? Again, that's more work and that's, but in general, I just think, uh, you know, I think, yeah, I, 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 I take the example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, these people are wanting to hear sure something that you've put together. So put it together. You put know? It together. So. Well, and I think that's ultimately what I was meaning is, hey, yeah. I'm going to say this. I delivered it. It was fine. The next time I use this illustration, yes. I'm going to just try it a little bit differently. I'm not mm-hmm. just going to say this was my talk. And so I'm going to give it, but I'm going to look for ways to deliver it a little bit differently. Ultimately, what I love about this conversation is it is just an organic growing feedback loop and just saying, how can I take what I've already gotten, reuse it in a way that serves the people, doesn't crush me, 
doesn't make it so that I neglect my duties in other areas of ministry, but really get the most out of it. That's what I love about uh, today with these sermons. Like you spend eight, you know, 10 hours, six hours, whatever the case might be. In the past, maybe it just, that was it. And you had a transcript and that was it. But today we've got so many opportunities to take it, reuse it and get more leverage and mileage out of it. I just think that's incredible. Yeah, for sure. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's something that you'd like uh, to ask us as it relates to this or any other episodes that we've done, you can reach out to us, info at faithfulandfruitful.com. That comes to both Luke and myself. We would love to get back to you. And if there's an episode that you would love to hear us talk about, we would love to know that as well. So feel free to be that loop of feedback for us. Let us know how we can serve you better. Uh, all As always, uh, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a review that would do a huge service in letting other pastors know uh, that this podcast is out there, that it exists, and that it can be one voice of encouragement. In our next episode, um, we are going to be talking about preaching through notes. We already talked about that a little bit, but we're going to go in deeper and uh, really looking forward to that No, no preachers have opinions about that, do they? No, no, yeah. absolutely not. We're here to create the opinions. Thanks yeah. so much. Take care, everyone.